That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. When you want to have fun and have scratchers to scratch, there's a playful way you can do just that. Scratch with the key or acrylic nail. Scratch with the quill from a porcupine tail. Use a belt buckle from your friend Lamar. Or scratch with your pick while you play guitar. You can scratch in a bunch of different playful ways. Scratchers from the California lottery. A little play can make your day. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player claim. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. like this like why can't we get it together when we have a guest we're so good and then it's just the two of us uh, and we just fucking lose our minds we do we do uh so welcome back to little cuts and it's our weekly mini soda we dig into things that we've been watching and or experiencing and i'm just i'm i'm just tired <laughs> i'm I mean, just tired <laughs> i just tired i'm mary beth <laughs> um so this week we are talking about all things Sundance Film Festival. The day we're recording this is the last day of Sundance, and our brains are scrambled eggs. I have keep having eye headaches, eye aches. I don't know, um, but that's but not wow. good. We, no, I know, but it's fine. Um, it's fine. Besides that, but it's, it's festivals. Like that's just what happens when you go to festivals. It is. It is what happens when you go to festivals, and especially when the festivals are so short, like this one was, where. It's like they, they crammed in so many movies. Oh, my God. It's like we watch so many movies. Like I watched 20. Actually, I watched 23. Holy shit. You watched two more from when we last talked. <laughs> I, I watched I watched two today. Oh, shit. Well, because well, all the awards ones are up and I'm crazy. And I was like, well, I need to watch some of these. And so I watched two. Yeah, I only saw 19. and I only I've, saw an only 19. <laughs> I've only seen 19 films, guys, since Thursday. I know. 
<laughs> like, Jesus week, fucking I watched Christ. 19. Okay, but there are people out there who watch 45, and I genuinely, oh. I honestly have no fucking idea how they did that. Like, I honestly don't. Unless they got a bunch of screeners beforehand, but like I, I didn't have time for that either. Like I yeah. watched one screen. I watched one screener. I mean, I I watched three beforehand, so like technically, I, I guess I only watched sixteen films since Thursday. But yeah, I watched three beforehand. But I don't. I it, as people are like have watched over thirty, and then the one person was talking about hoping to get forty five before the end of the festival, and I'm like, how. I'm tired. <laughs> I know. I'm so like exactly. And like I thought me watching like films in like the twelve AM three, six, nine slots was like fucking ridiculous. And I'll be honest, like once we got to the the, the midnighter, which is uh, granted it's eleven o'clock my time, but still it's, <laughs> it's fuck you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but every time I got to them, I'm like uh... I'm ready to go to bed. <laughs> no, for for real. And like, so I have like, I wasn't going into bed until like two or two thirty in the morning. And oh now Lord. for like, and that's like only a week. Like, it's not that big. But like, I go to bed at midnight, which still isn't early, but still. And so the last night, I couldn't fall asleep till two thirty. I had to wake oh, up no. at eight for work, and I was like, I oh, made no. a great mistake. But you know, it's fine. We're all fine here. <laughs> it was. I will say, it was worth it, though. It was very worth it. What are your general thoughts about the festival as a whole? So that's, I remember we were talking about this yesterday and I, I remember texting you and saying that I was like, I was feeling a little bit disappointed about some of the stuff I saw, but then Mm -hmm. I looked back on my notes and I actually was pretty impressed with a lot of the things I saw. I think I had, the thing was, I saw a lot of good stuff at the beginning and towards the end, I wasn't as much of a fan. So I think I was really thinking about the other stuff I saw at the end rather than the whole picture. Gotcha. So all in all, I'm I'm one amazing experience, even though it was online. Mm -hmm. It was so cool to see all these movies and still get to talk to people about them via text. I still wish I could have seen everyone in person. But you know what? This was the next best thing. The platform was great. Yeah, the platform worked really well. I thought it was really awesome. I had no problems. I really loved it. It's funny. I was Steve was like. That doesn't sound like any fun. You're going to pass out. I'm like, I love this so much. Like, I look like a zombie between movies, like, especially between, like, the 6 p.m. movie and the 9 p.m. movie. I was like a fucking zombie. And he's like, are you good? I'm like, I just need to hit my my second wind. Like, my second wind. Yeah. And then I would. But um, I really had I had an amazing time and I can't wait to go in person. What about you? I, I mean, so I the thing is, is that, like, uh, I don't really think. Well, I guess that's not true, but. For me, I guess, I don't really see this as much different than a typical festival that we've covered over the last, like, virtual festival we've covered over the last, like, almost a year now. I So, I I guess I was really kind of looking forward to maybe there being some kind of, like, giant, you know, hit that came out of this that, like, we'd be... (laughs) Like in previous Sundances, and there are movies that I, I thought were really good. And um, I mean, obviously, other people disagree with that statement because Coda was picked up by Apple TV Plus for twenty five million fucking dollars. But so, so obviously, other people disagree, and there there were a couple of really standout things. But I think overall, I didn't really see much difference between this and like covering. Fantasia or well, Fantastic yeah. Fest for better or, or for worse. I mean, for better. And I think it's because like Sundance has those vibes and you go there. I feel mm-hmm. like it's like the vibe of being in Salt Lake City and like all the celebs and stuff. But like, 
this year was all online. And so, like, I watched the Q&As on my computer and saw people in Zoom. And, like, it wasn't as... It wasn't as exciting as you'd get when, like, when you'd go to, t- like, go to a film festival in person and get to sit in the seat and, like, watch the people in front of you and, like, see yeah. the celebrities. And it is, it is definitely kind of um, underwhelming, I guess. I, I get that for sure. Because then again, it did just feel like, oh, I'm watching Chattanooga. Oh, I'm doing Night Stream. Right. And I and you're right. That might be partly because of the the virtual experience of this vice being in person. Because I mean, you'd always see like photographs coming out of Sundance of like, oh, here's a random celebrity walking by. Maybe, but like that stuff doesn't. I don't know. I say it doesn't impress me. Maybe it would, but like, it's not why I go to festivals. A lot of people go no. to festivals to like see celebrities and like interview them, and I'm just there to like watch movies. And I. I don't really want to talk to people. Like, Listen, yeah, okay. yeah. I, I say that, and we have a podcast where we fucking talk to people. But, but like, here's we the prep thing: for that. We, we, we prep for that. Yes, one thing, and two, we're not like. I mean, I'm incredibly introverted, and so my whenever, to be perfectly honest, the first time I've I've gone to festivals in person, and I knew that there was going to be people there that I knew online, it was like panic-inducing because I don't do well face to face with people that I don't really know. Um, yeah. I'm very introverted. So like the idea of going to some place where like all these, all of these either a celebrities or B just people that I talk to on Twitter fills me with an anxiety that I cannot express. So like I am, I'm all about just going to these festivals, sitting in a dark room and not having to realize <laughs> that anyone around me <laughs> is don't actually pers- there. Don't perceive me. Don't <laughs> look at me. Don't breathe near me. No, I get that for sure. It is like super awkward because then I'm like, what if I say something stupid? Like on right. Twitter, I, <laughs> you don't know what I look like. And now you know I'm a real person and you might think I'm a dumbass. <laughs> that is totally my fear. I don't yes. think it's happened yet, but no one's told me. So I'm just going to live in blissful ignorance and just make sure <laughs> <laughs> no one thinks I'm a complete dipshit. <laughs> yeah. Uh... Um, but I was sad I couldn't, like, I couldn't meet you. One day I'm going to fucking meet you in person, Terry. It's fucking Good pandemic. God, thanks, COVID. Literally, <laughs> for those so that don't know, we were, we were actually supposed to meet each other, like, the day before things started to, like, go really bad COVID-wise. And thanks a lot, COVID. It's another thing you've ruined. Um, but any- anyway, but there was some... I think overall, something that I noticed, and I, I've seen this sentiment a lot online, a lot of these movies were style over substance. Like a lot of mm. these were direct, a lot of these movies were directorial debuts, mm-hmm. which is amazing. But I think a lot of filmmakers were going for this very, their own very unique styles and like very, like very specific aesthetics. Yeah. And the sto- story was secondary, which kind <sighs> of meant that, yeah, which meant that like there were some really pretty films to watch, but the story is kind of, lacked or they fell apart at the end yeah. and so that was anno- that was kind of annoying to me I, I will say because there were some films i was really excited for that like had so much potential and i always make a dick being like you could have done this because i'm not a filmmaker like i don't fucking know but it it's just kind of frustrating when you see movies you're like you could have oh this could have been so fucking good but it stumbles like in the third act so that was kind of the sense i got from a lot of movies at sundance this year yeah, I, I can't disagree. I'm, I'm thinking back and looking back at my letterbox list. And I mean, there were a lot of a lot of films that were very uh, visually appealing. Um, but at the end of the day, didn't say as much as 
they they looked really good. So I, I do think that that is a valid critique. Even the films that I, I liked uh, have some script structural issues uh, for sure. <laughs> But I, I guess before we we do get into the, like our genre ones, there we because it is Sundance, we did get to see some movies that aren't necessarily genre that I yeah. wanted to talk about. Have you? Did yeah. you get to see Mass? <laughs> no, because I was too scared to watch it. Oh. I was just like I, the subject matter is about a mass shooting, yeah, and. I just I w- I was not ever in a mental space where I thought that I could handle it or like I don't know why like I watch all these fucked up gory movies that I wrote and loved but that one I was like I don't think I can watch it right now I think my brain was just like not in a good space to watch something like that that is perfectly fair let me tell you it's uh for those that don't know it is the directorial and um and written debut well, I, don't, I don't know if he, he might have written before a uh, Fran Kranz who y'all might know from Joss Whedon films particularly like the cabin in the woods uh he was the stoner dude in cabin in the woods uh he like, was in... that's wild to me by the way that the stoner who had the amazing coffee cup bong wrote this and directed this movie like what yeah he's also really fit he's a very (laughs) handsome looking man i remember and i bring this up only because um i do remember when 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 that movie came out they were talking about how they had to like film around his very fit body to make him look leisurely and stonerly because he is he's a very good looking man and he um good for him he takes care of his body (laughs) uh yeah i looked at that he does um anyway besides that um <laughs> how was mass aside. his really his really upsetting movie about um mass shootings <laughs> so it's you know if, if you had told me that this was based on like some award-winning play i would have believed you because it's it's basically just four people in a room two families uh two parents two sets of parents uh one of a kid that was murdered in a school shooting and the other set of parents, the parent of the school shooter. And it is hard to watch. It's very, mm-hmm. it's very sad. It's so sad. Mm-hmm. And, but it you, like, you know, I, I, I could have guessed that. <laughs> I know. Right. <laughs> I mean, it seems like on the, on the nose to say that, but like, the, I'll tell you what it is, is it is a performance powerhouse out of the four leads mm-hmm. i mean you have Anne dowd who i think goes under the radar a little too much in terms of what what people's um what people like people's expectations of her because she is a phenomenal actress who is shown across like so many different she was in compliance she was in hereditary um i remember her specifically oh from the leftovers oh my god yes like she is a phenomenal actress that I think is overlooked an awful lot, way too much. And she is the mother of the school shooter. And let me tell you, by the end of the movie, you just want to give her a fucking hug. Like she just. Oh, my God. Is just. Oh, she's really good. And Martha Plimpton, who I've only ever seen in like comedic roles, I guess, or like more sarcastic roles, pulls out a performance of a lifetime in this movie. It's I'm a just, little bit sad. I'm so bummed I missed it, but at the same time, I was just like, uh, uh. it's an exhausting film. It's it's almost yeah. two hours long, and it is. I mean, it just goes through the gamut of emotions. And oh, it's, Martha it's, Plimpton, I love her so much. I know, and she is the other. She's the other mother, the mother of the, <gasps> the victim. Oh. 
And oof, let me tell you. Oh God. She just this this is a performance. These two performances are ones that should that should get award uh recognition because they're just they, so this movie sounds like Oscar, and I'll call it Oscar bait, but Oscar bait, like it sounds yeah. like the kind of thing that would do really well at an awards. Oh, and Jason Isaacs, of course, but like he always slays. Yeah. And I mean, like his performance is really good. I just, I, the, the two women in this in particular, just, they're the reasons to watch it, honestly. Hell yeah. Okay. One of the movies I really wanted to talk about was Wild Indian. Did you get okay. to see Wild Indian? I did not, but um, okay. I've heard good things about it. So, okay, let me pull up my notes. May I pull up my notes? I mean, flip through my notebook because I live in the 1800s. Um, <laughs> let me just... Th- okay, so Wild Indian is uh, directed by Lyle Mitchell Corbine Jr. He is an indigenous filmmaker. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the only films, I think, that was in the festival by an indigenous filmmaker. So basically, there's these two boys that live on a reservation in Wisconsin. There is Teto and Makwa. They're friends. And Makwa is relentlessly abused by his father and his mother. And Teto has his mom is an alcoholic. And so this art, like, it sets this tone of the kind of the reality of life on a reservation without it being like, look how awful this is. But like, it's a very real look at the violence that people talk about on reservations, but like from a very kind of like personal lens. And so there's a tra- they something really bad happens and they share this traumatic secret and then it flashes forward i think 30 years in the future where makwa is now michael and he has completely tried to completely erase his um his heritage as an indigenous person and Mm. then there's teto who has gone to jail and so the two of them are kind of trying to cope with their trauma and it's really 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 intense but it's hmm. beautifully made. And, you know, Michael Gray Eyes plays Michael slash Makwa, and he's absolutely stunning. Like, the way that he is able to portray all of these emotions with just stoic face. Yeah. It's amazing. But it's just, it's such a sad film handled in the most beautiful way. Because this could be a, such an exploitative film, and this could be such, like, a look at these poor people film, but right. because it's directed by an indigenous filmmaker, it's, it's, it's handled with really good care. And it's just, whew. it's hard to talk about. Cause it's like, it's so upsetting to see how colonization has absolutely colonization and white people have absolutely fucked up indigenous populations like that's a lot of the film is like seeing how deep this like these traumas of colonialization have gone and like what community like what they have created within communities and like the resentment and toxic masculinity and problems that are like rampant because of this colonialization but um i'm i'm rambling it was just so beautiful um and deeply 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 sad but it was really gorgeous you know, and one of the reasons I really wanted to see this and I just didn't have time was because um, Michael Gray Eyes is, is, was phenomenal, I thought, in Blood Quantum. So there's your, yes. like, genre connection, too. Because, like, he, I thought he was really good in that. And I really wanted to, I really wanted to see him in this. And I really wanted to, to see this film. I just ran out he of time. Is, but He is absolutely phenomenal. He deserves to be in more movies, not just playing, like, 
an Indian. Like I was right. looking at his, I was looking at his IMDb, and it's just like he he plays like the stereotypical indigenous person role. Yeah, and like I. I just want, like, he is so fucking talented. Like, this movie should open so many doors for him as more than just, a, like, someone to play an indigenous person that you need in the script. Like, he should just right. be acting in everything. Like, he's so, so talented. I thought he was really charismatic in uh, um, Blood Quantum as well. So, I... Yeah. I He's not charismatic in this, but on purpose. Well, yeah. <laughs> like, but um, I just mean there's something about him that like, yeah, he's invites very, you and, to like watch what he's doing. Yes, yes. And I hope this also. I mean, like, there's so many. There's not that many indigenous filmmakers out there, and so I'm hoping this gets a lot of attention and you know keeps putting indigenous filmmakers on the map because Lyle Mitchell Corbyn Jr. is a talented person. Should've so I'm it. hoping. I'm hoping that this is gonna continue to kind of show that indigenous performers and directors can make amazing movies and they don't always have to just be about the indigenous experience. Yeah. So that was one that I absolutely like had to talk about because I couldn't stop. I haven't been able to stop thinking about that one. Um, and then other ones, uh, one more of note, I'm not going to talk a ton about, but uh, on the count of three, which is this darkly com- comedic movie about suicide. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's really good. I laughed a lot and then I got really upset at the end. So it's a, it's like one of the most effective dark comedies I've seen in a long time. Really? Um, God, I should have. See, I was I was so nervous about it because of like the picture of, of two young yeah. men holding a gun to get to each other and i'm like i don't know if i want to see this yeah so it's really funny in a really fucked up way um that thing the picture is like at the beginning and it's like the, the con t- that picture taken out of context is really weird because in the movie it's actually funny <laughs> which oh, it does okay. not look funny no <laughs> that's and um, that coupled with with the brief description i saw for it was like i don't know if i really want to see this movie but like i'm really sad that i missed it because i, I yeah. live for dark comedies and it's really a, it's really really sad but it's also really funny and i yeah. I watched it today as part of like the showcase, like the award showcase, because I was going to skip it, but so many people were excited about it, and it ends up being one of my favorites of the festival. Oh, so. wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what that says about me as a person, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, well, speaking of, of Best of the Festival, I have to say I was blown away by Ben Wheatley's In the Earth. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That was my excitement sound and how much I love that movie. I don't like, know what that translates of anyway. <laughs> that movie was so my shit. It was doing everything that I wanted it to do. It was changing its subgenre throughout. It was escalating the tension. It was creating different stories throughout. The narrative was keeping me on my toes because it was constantly evolving. Ah, I love this movie. It is like, okay, Ben Wheatley is, I've seen this in like 50 different mediums, but Ben Wheatley is back, baby. Like, (laughs) he, he did Kill List and Mm Sightseers and A Field in England, all like wildly different genre movies, but like very much him. And then he went to do like High Rise and uh, another one that I can't remember the name of. That's it. I actually didn't mind Free Fire, but then he did, he did Rebecca on Netflix, which was like, a train wreck and so 
I was I was like I was very hesitant about this movie. But holy shit. Folk horror meets science horror. This shit is so good. Think Annihilation, but like even it's weirder. folklore annihilation. Like it's that. folklore annihilation with like a lot of strobing lights and scary noises. And some really awesome and gnarly foot trauma and some incredible moments of dark comedy. Like I thought it was very funny. I thought yeah. So I didn't get the 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 comedy didn't land as much with me. Oh but my I god, did the fun- moment the moment when <laughs> A certain someone is taking an axe to someone's foot and keeps like missing. <laughs> it's really funny. Rolling, just rolling. Just thought it was so I, funny. Well, my favorite though is um, Zach is so Zach. The movie is about like these two. The science is it's the a pandemic is happening. Um, but I like this movie because the pandemic is in the background, but it's not. It's not like oh, the pandemic is has these symptoms and this symptom. Like it's much more of the backdrop rather than the focus, right? Which I was happy about because I was like, there was a lot of movies this year about the pandemic, and I was like, for fuck's sake. Um, but so a scientist and a park ranger go into this test site in the middle of this giant forest to do some testing, but also to find a missing scientist. Along the way, they get attacked their shoes get taken away everything is taken they run into a hermit named zach and shit goes crazy zach is hysterical and i Mm. he's just like he's like talking about like all of these violent things he has to do so matter of factly he's like (laughs) sorry guys you can't leave i have to do this and this and it's just like so matter of fact it's amazing he is really funny in the, in this movie, and that I, I think that's where most of my my my, my ideas of like the dark comedy comes from because yeah. he just his his matter of fact way of dealing with everything is just it was just perfect for me. Yes, it was oh, the music Clint Menzel's score. Oh God, oh. I talk about this movie forever, but th- basically when this comes out, all of our folk horror Ben Wheatley killless lovers see this movie. It is. So good. Or, I mean, we could be wrong because this random person on IMDb says, save yourselves the time. I can't believe Sundance picked this. It must have been a terrible accident or something. <laughs> Some of these are views on Letterboxd and like IMDb about these movies. I'm like, oh, what's wrong with you? Like, what kind of movies do you even fucking like? <laughs> like, so another movie that was my favorite, um, We're All Going to the World's Fair. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. People were like, this is idiotic and i was like well you're you are a philistine and don't know anything about cinema (laughs) (laughs) we're not gatekeepers but that is also a true statement (laughs) you can have your opinions but that one is wrong (laughs) (laughs) no i i love this movie too and what i loved about it is hearing everyone's different response to it and what it means because it's basically at the heart of it. It's about this very lonely teenager named Casey who becomes immersed in an online role-playing game. That's sort of like, it takes stuff from like, you know, creepy pastas and sort of how people have taken stories that are, that might have started somewhere and then making their own content within that larger mythos. And so she does this, this, 
this right to get into the world's fair, which this is this online horror game. And then weird stuff starts to happen. She meets this, this guy through it and he starts helping her out through it. And like, it's just, it's kind of for the most part charting, like her journey through this online game. It's but that, it's but it's so also not. this like, I got, I got like, I was writing my review last night and I got like deep into my young feelings. And like, I even revealed I had a YouTube channel in my review, which is like <sighs> something I never talk about. Um, it can't be found. Don't, I have scraped it from the internet. Um, <laughs> but this movie is so perfect in how it captures like teenage ennui. Mm. I sound like such a pretentious asshole when I say that word. Um, but, and how the internet growing up with the internet like i terry you're old so you didn't grow up with the internet (laughs) wow i mean it's true that i'm the only one that's allowed to call myself old mary that's true sorry i'm sorry that's like the the joke the running joke that i get to use why to take it from me you youth (laughs) (laughs) um anyway (laughs) basically (laughs) This reminded me so much of my own childhood. Like when you feel lonely, you go to watch YouTube videos. Like I was obsessed with scary stories and creepy pastas. And it was like this way that I could kind of shout into the void Mm. and try to get connections. Like I had friends in high school. I wasn't necessarily like a loner, like this character Casey, but I was a sad person and I didn't know the, how sad I was. And the internet was this like, and it continues to be this comforting place. And it's also so complicated and dangerous. And this also navigates the dangers of the internet really well. Like I don't understand how the director Jane Schoenenbrunn was able to really capture the microcosm of the internet in one movie. I, it's just so impressive. So it that is and it's like found footagey ish yeah that that's the other thing i really liked about it is that it mixes traditional cinematography and filmmaking styles with uh found footage ish or like second screen to create yeah. this like really complex picture of this this kid yeah it's amazing and like i'm really vibing with this with this combo found footage second screen and traditional narrative filmmaking like cinematography it's very cool um so one more that i wanted to mention oh i have so many i want to talk about but one that (laughs) there's so many good films um uh coming home in the dark did you end up watching this one i did yes what did you think um (laughs) i don't think i liked it as much as most people um, I did think the beginning was incredibly audacious. Um, <laughs> Sorry. I just, I, by, and I, okay. So what I will say on a, on a positive note is that I really liked the way it, in, it inverted and subverted uh, a revenge film in interesting yeah. ways. Uh, but I, I just, I don't know. There's, there's a point in the movie where I just started to like, not feel the tension that they were obviously going for. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. It just, it didn't, it didn't work for me at a certain point. Okay. And I don't, I don't want to really delve into it too much because I don't want no. to ruin it for people that aren't able to see it for very long. So, I mean, we can talk offline, but like, 
yeah, I just, it, for some reason, it just at, at a certain point, it, it stopped working for me. But let me tell you, the opening mm, act to maybe the midpoint was really, Whoa. was really, really, really working for me. So um, I was not sober when I watched this because I'm not reviewing it. So I um, partook in some of the devil's lettuce before I watched it. Cause I was like, I didn't, I knew absolutely nothing about this movie. Like the description of this movie did not make it sound that intense. So I was like, Oh, midnight movie vibes. Um, that was the worst mistake I've ever made <laughs> because this is like, this is a New Zealand thriller. This is a film in the vein of those like, Australian New Zealand extreme cinema, Hounds of Love, um, Wolf Loved Creek, Ones, that Wolf kind of Creek. Feel. So it's that feel, very nihilistic, very upsetting, very gory. But this one is a much more, I think, has more of like um, soft is not the way I want to put it. It's a little bit more serious in the depictions. Like how it's, like it's not as ridiculous as some of the other ones. Like extreme cinema can almost be like ridiculous, but this one is like really dark. Um, because it deals with a lot of trauma and like the history of New Zealand. So the main, but I just want to give a huge shout out to Daniel Gillis, who plays Mandrake, oh. who is the mm. villain. I have no idea how he played. This is like the best villain I've seen. Perhaps he is, ever. He is really good. <laughs> he is so calm and disgusting and creepy. And I don't understand how he plays this kind of character so well, but like it is, absolutely um breathtaking and repulsive you know what so i'm looking back at my letterbox and i think i know why it might not have worked very well for me so it was the third film in the day that i watched i started out watching how it ends which is this low frills comedy and then i watched mass and then i watched coming home in the dark oh my honey oh honey (laughs) so i think that that i think the combination of that light comedy mixed with mass might have colored my view of the film. I might have been emotionally destroyed well, by the end of it. And that's very that's a really good thing to bring up though because like with festivals we're watching so many movies back to back and like I, I probably I'm going to watch these movies later and be like oh this is a very different movie than what I watched yeah. at Sundance because I was on like my fourth movie of the day and my brain was broken. So like I don't think my my feelings change that much, but just keep that in mind as we talk about these. But like again, Coming Home in the Dark is a movie that is not going to be for everybody because it's so fucking graphic and so mm. fucking intense. But that's the shit I love. Also, yeah. Violation played, and I will not talk about it. But <laughs> holy fuck! Wow. Wait, okay, I'm sorry. Can I hear your Can I hear your thoughts on it really quick? Yeah. Because I'm obsessed with Violation. I'm sorry. I just need to know. I I loved it. Uh, <laughs> isn't it weird? Isn't it weird to say that about this movie? It made me really uncomfortable. Uh, <laughs> Especially with this very graphic um, depiction of a male erection (laughs) that like I kept sitting there thinking that is a very realistic looking prosthetic. And then I started thinking, is it a prosthetic? It has to be prosthetic. I think it has to be a prosthetic, but it was a very realistic one. But I I don't know. I don't know. Because I mean, there was some unsimulated action going on there. So well, like, okay. Yes. I was going to say like, there were some parts where I'm like, that is attached to his body. Like there's no way that that is not like, that is not his real penis. I, anyway, that's just, it, it brought me back when I was watching it. It actually brought me back to our episode where we talked, uh, the best of the decade with, <laughs> um, Molly and, and Jessica talking about Adam Scott getting 
winked off because like I kept thinking this is just like that it has to be because although it moved so realistically I'm sorry I, know, I, I was gonna say this very small no, moment but like no but I I know was, I know exactly what you're talking about where it's like involuntary moving and I'm like but you can't recreate that can you with a prosthetic like that had to be his penis Okay. Anyway, yeah, like, (laughs) and and you know, and that's the thing is that that scene made me so uncomfortable because of everything going on in this movie, and I think that that is what that is what the I'm I'm so happy and proud that Shutter picked it up because this is not the kind of movie that I would expect to get like as wild as wide of intention as Shutter is probably going to give it, which I think is amazing. I think like, I'm going to cry thinking is, about it. Like I'm getting emotional because I watched it for the second time. I don't, I, so, there is something that like deeply, deeply this movie has affected me and watching it the second time. I loved it even more. I almost threw up. Um, oh, not for being graphic from like, but like triggering, but yeah. I, but like, I, I knew that was going to happen. Like I, I went into it knowing like what to expect. And I don't think it was going to make me as nauseous as it did, but I loved it. And the 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 way they're able to capture PTSD and this mm. like horrifying feeling and also having the main character who is assaulted not be like be an anti hero kind of character. It just it all meant so much to me and seeing yeah. like this the genre that I am obsessed with coming into this kind of interpretation. Yeah. And like you said, its structure is awesome. It's very it's like nonlinear. Yeah. So it goes back for and a loop forth in the beginning. Yeah, it, it's it's a little bit confusing at first, but um, it, in, in such a, a fantastic way because it's it like this scene with the penis is set to unnerve you and keep you unexpecting what's going to happen next. And yeah, it's it's weird to say that in in a, in a film that is about rape revenge, but it did make me really curious to, to see how it was going to portray out and how we got to the scene. that's early in the beginning of the movie and how it would progress. It just, I, I, this is not a subgenre that I'm particularly fond of, but like this movie Mm -hmm. was really, really well done. And it's, it's co-directed by a woman, um, Mm -hmm. Madeline Sims fewer with Dustin Mancelli. I watched the Q and I afterward. They are both trauma survivors and, I'm not saying you have to be a trauma survivor to make a rape revenge film, but you can kind of like, they both were very t- intense talking about their trauma and like how this was a film that was like closure for them. And yeah, I could see it being got, very therapeutic. I got fucking emotional, but like, I just, this movie is gorgeous and I can't wait for people to watch it on shutter and get really uncomfortable and mm-hmm. fall in love with that. So I just want to talk about violation. All I ever want to do is talk about violation. So it's so good. It really is. Um, I'm so glad you liked it. I was like, I was thinking about it. I was like, wait, I've been hyping up this movie and then people are going to watch it and think I'm like, <laughs> something is deeply wrong with me. But I was like, but that's fine. Like there is, it's cool. But I know because people are like, oh, I'm going to watch it because you hyped it up. And I'm like, oh, no, <laughs> that's my worst. <laughs> that's my worst fucking nightmare. <laughs> and I'm like, don't tell me if you didn't like. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> anyway, do you want to give some honorable mentions just like super quick? Yeah, I really wanted to bring up Eight for Silver, mm. uh, the werewolf movie. I liked it more than most people. So I, you know, I I'm in the middle. I think that there is some like I, so it, what it's about is it's set in 19th century France and there is 
a troop of Romani people that are trying to state lay claim to land controlled by a bunch of old white dudes who end up massacring the entire Romani population. And then weird things start to happen and a kid goes missing. Um, there's werewolves involved. It's very clear that this is a supernatural story. It's not trying to pull anything on you. It's the more, the mystery is more about what exactly is this type of lycanthropy because it's different than a lot of werewolf lore I've seen. And I thought that was really good. It has this really good slow, slow burn boil that continues through most of it. I just wanted it to pop off more in the end. I think that's my biggest yeah. problem is that by the time it, get, it reaches the climax, it's set in a really dusty manner and it's very low key. It's not as exciting and thrilling as some of the stuff that happens in the, around the midpoint of the film. And I just really wanted it to just keep pushing that envelope. But I think it's, I, I think it's a lot better than a lot of people give it credit for. I think it's beautiful. Um, yeah. It really captures that sort of hammer slash yes. like, uh, like Wolfman, like mm -hmm. feel to it of the, the foggy woods and manner. And I am a sucker for anything that is Gothic and has this dark manner mm -hmm. sitting in the middle of a woods and the woods are full mm -hmm. of fog. Like that is my shit. Pump it into my veins. I'm hitting my <laughs> veins. Like that is, that is, that is where I want to live. Maybe not like, I mean, I, you know, maybe, maybe not on like a literal level because I don't think it would probably be very comfortable. But like in terms of like what I want to see, this is it. Just give it to me. Just rub my face in it. Yeah. You liked it a lot more it. than I did, than I did too. I mean, I don't, I don't know if I liked it more than you. I, I thought I, I didn't. I liked it more than most people, which is like, which is like a low, not saying too much because I know people really didn't like it. I didn't think it was that boring. I think it was cool. The werewolf design was cool. The CGI is a little bit iffy, but oh, like, the I CGI is not good. <laughs> yeah. Like, and it's not so much that the quality of it wasn't good. It's just that they didn't do a very, in my opinion, did not do a very good job of color, of color correcting it. So it kind of pops in things that yeah. are a little bit more murky and foggy it looks like it's been put there like photoshopped <laughs> and in. doesn't yeah. really work for me no and i'm still trying to parse out how i feel about them using romani people yeah. with a, a curse um i have like very conflicting feelings about that that i'm not sure i i don't know how to parse them out quite yet but yeah, yeah. it's 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 interesting their use of I mean, you know, it, it's sort of like honoring the 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 structure of a of a werewolf movie where they're basically, you know, that's that. I mean, that's in almost most of the earlier werewolf films. That's what they relied on. It just, yeah, I've, I, I kind of like you, and I'm having a hard time parsing out my feelings on it. I did have a problem following this entitled group of old white men that massacred them, and we're supposed to feel some kind of sadness i guess oh fuck and, no i felt absolutely zero sympathy for those assholes like, i was like eat, mm, them. Actually, should, <laughs> eat them like, should we do we need to stop them from getting like destroyed because i'm okay with this and i don't think it necessarily does a great job of like reconciling the the sins of the father visited on you know the children yeah. which is kind of what it's i guess trying to portray yeah with the parents murdering the romani but didn't completely work for me. I think it's the 
best werewolf film I've seen in a while, though. Yeah, it was. A, I think it was a fun werewolf film. My un- unfortunately, my standards for werewolf films are so fucking low at this point. So <laughs> it was a good. It was a good werewolf movie. Like, yeah. In- comparison to other things also if you want to see my reactions to everything that i saw um i have a thread on twitter if you want to read my pretentious attempts at musings there um, you go that it's hard to do that some people write like amazing like 240 character reviews and i'm like it good <laughs> i had yeah, fun. i just gave up <laughs> i know I, it was more like trying to keep track of things in my head i love letterbox but i was like this will be good practice and i was like oh, i'm such an idiot i don't even know i just watched this movie and i have no thoughts brain empty i don't know i'm sad or i'm like had a good time or ew all in all there's some good shit there was some good shit i think there's going to be some interesting and exciting genre fair heading your guys's way uh either Seriously. at more festivals or hopefully release violations has a release date it's coming out in march i want to say so you have that to look forward to for sure well look forward look forward uh, yes look forward to yes look forward i'll say look forward so that that's sundance tip of the and iceberg week, but yes <laughs> yeah next week we're up to our our regular bullshit we are <laughs> our, so our, our guest on monday is uh caitlin nelson who writes for killerhorrorcritic.com and she typically writes a lot about disabled horror and how the two intertwine sometimes and we are talking about the grudge so expect a lot of that i believe in the episode yes there is (laughs) there is quite a bit of it um we're back on our wrong turn bullshit so we will be watching wrong turn five R.I.P. I know that's the worst one, so I'm excited. (laughs) And, you know, the thing is, is that it actually kind of works out perfectly because I believe we should be finishing up the wrong term, including the remake, which just got a release date of the 23rd of February. So, my God, between the 12th and the 26th, we are we'll be covering the entire franchise will be done. I know. I can't believe I I just I cannot. (laughs) I can't believe the timing worked out so well that it culminates in the remake fate <laughs> fucking gross fate but that so that'll be that'll be a fun next couple of episodes and just with the wrong turn and then Terry what giallo are we watching we are watching we're going back to our Argento roots and we are watching what is one of my favorite of his uh giallos the bird with the crystal plumage and i cannot so wait excited. to talk to mary beth about it i'm so excited it's one of those movies i bought in an arrow sale having never seen it but the cover was pretty so i'm excited oh it's gorgeous to, i'm so excited to finally watch it and be like oh this isn't just gathering dust like <laughs> with all my other dvds so listeners you have heard from us we want to hear from you um did you go to sundance did you watch anything that we watched tell us what you thought um or if you didn't go to sundance tell us some of the movies you you are the most excited for to get distribution so you can send us an email at scarred for life podcast at gmail.com or you can reach out to, directly to us on twitter i am at mb mcandrews and i'm Akili dreadful of course make sure to follow the podcast on twitter at scarred podcast and, you know, we, we did really well and got a bunch of reviews in the beginning, end of December, early January, I think maybe in hopes that I would give myself uh, birthday spankings, but that didn't happen. Uh, but we could use some more. Valentine's Day is coming up. Send us a Valentine. <laughs> <laughs> I have to link this. to. I, I have to link it to every holiday. I, I'm going go. to do it. I love it. Give us a, send us a Valentine on iTunes with reviews. Please do. 
<laughs> um, thank you to Eric Power for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Thank you to everyone for listening. Uh, stay safe out there, but most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time. powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.